Hi, this is Edwin Crozier with the Franklin Church of Christ. I want to thank you for joining us as we study God's Word. In the upcoming lesson, we take a look at giving as part of our worship to God. I hope this lesson will edify you as we learn to be devoted to giving. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about a topic which is, for me, one of the topics I most fear preaching on. I want to talk to you about giving. You may ask, of course, why would you be afraid of preaching on giving? Well, I'll tell you. Whenever you begin to preach upon giving, there are some people who, you can see it just in the audience, they start getting tense. Their body stiffens up, they get rigid. You can see their hand reaching for their wallet to clench it and grab hold of it. Their eyes start burning a hole right through you into the screen behind us here. It's just, uh, it's not a pleasant picture looking out and seeing that. I also fear preaching on giving because I am certain that in preaching on that, there are some folks who will misunderstand my motives. For a preacher to preach on giving and contribution, it can seem very self-serving. Some will be certain that the reason I'm preaching this is because, well, of course, January's coming up. I'm shooting for a pay raise and maybe trying to get an end-of-the-year bonus. But that's the furthest thing from my mind. I fear preaching on giving because at times what I have found is that actually preaching on the subject elicits the exact opposite response that I am shooting for. It seems that at times even though what I'm trying to preach on is about being devoted to giving and loving the Lord and demonstrating our thankfulness to Him, that whenever somebody is up there telling us what to do with our money or trying to get us to give more of our money away, some just kind of get resentful of that, and it's amazing how many times I've preached on giving, and the next Sunday, instead of the giving being greater, it's less, as though there were some trying to point out and say, I'll show you, teach you to preach on giving. So I, that, it's, it concerns me to preach on that. The other reason why I fear preaching on giving is because I have watched television, I have visited congregations, and I have seen a lot of charlatans begging for money. And I certainly do not want to start off by saying that we're going to talk about giving and everybody just shut me off thinking I'm one of them. That is not my case. I want us to serve God. And when we look at the Scripture, we find out that giving, contributing to the work of the Lord, is as much a part of worship as the Lord's Supper, as studying the Gospel, as singing, and as praying. And if we're going to be devoted to worship, if we're going to be devoted to God, we also have to be devoted in giving. And that's what I want us to look at today. What does it mean to be devoted to giving? I also want to begin by saying that if you are a guest here and you are not a member of the Franklin Church of Christ, I want you to know that I appreciate your presence. And while there are certain lessons that you also need to learn from this study of God's Word, this lesson really isn't for you. We don't want your money. We're not asking for your money. We want all Christians to be devoted to the Lord in giving. If you're a Christian, we hope you will be devoted to the Lord in giving. If you become a member here, we hope you'll be devoted to our work and involved in the giving. But if you're not, this is in no way intended as some type of plea for you to give us money. That's not what it's about at all. Before we get into our lesson, would you bow with me in prayer? Our great God and Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you. You have given us so much. You've given us more than we deserve. Father, we are so unworthy of all the things that you have done. 
the spiritual blessings that you've given us in your Son, the spiritual blessing you've given us through your Word, the church that you've established to help us serve you. We're so unworthy of the many physical blessings you've given us, the homes in which we live, the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, the food we eat, so many things that we own and have, and you've taken care of us more than we deserve, and we bless and honor you. Father, we recognize that all we have is actually yours, and we are nothing more than stewards. We pray that everything we do with the resources you've given will honor you. Father, I pray especially that you be with us this morning as we study your word, that our hearts will be open to what you have said about giving, that as we grow and become more mature, our hearts will come in line with your will regarding giving. And I pray that, Father, if there's any ill motive on my part, that you will help me to overcome that, and that you will help us all to serve you and glorify you. Father, we want you to have glory and not us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. As we examine this topic, many of us, I recognize, probably give cash, but most of us probably write a check. And to help us take a look at the concept of giving and being devoted to giving, I'd like for us just to consider the check that we write. We're going to work our way through this check to help us understand the proper giving that God has commanded of us. The very first thing I'd like for us to look at is the date line. Today, if you wrote a check, the check should have said December 5th, 2004. That's today's date. Certainly, we recognize that every week the date we write on the check is going to change. However, if we're going to be doing what we find in the Scripture, there will always be one consistent aspect of this line on our check, and that is that every date that we write as we give to the Lord, will correspond with the first day of the week. We recognize in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning at verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning at verse 1, the Scripture there says, in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. As we consider giving, as we consider being devoted to giving, the dateline on our check reminds us that we have not set the pattern for worship. God has established the pattern for worship. And when God has taught us how to worship Him by devoting the funds that He has given us, devoting a portion of them to His work, He has taught us that on the first day of the week, when we gather as an assembly to worship Him, we are supposed to take up that collection. And we as individuals, if we've been prospered, are supposed to give on that first day of the week. As we write on this line, as we consider this aspect of giving, we learn that our giving is not about us. It's not about the preacher and what he said to do. It's not about the elders and what they have said to do. It's about what God has said to do as He has established the pattern for our worship. And we're going to do it His way. And the date on this line is not ever going to correspond with a Monday. It's not ever going to correspond with a Wednesday. It's not ever going to correspond with a Friday. Just because we've gathered together on those days, we're not going to take up a collection. We're going to be worshiping God His way. And He has exhorted us that on the first day of the week, we devote that portion of our funds that we have purpose in our heart to accomplish His work. So that when the need is there, there will not have to be a collection made, but that it will already be taken care of. We recognize that God is the one who has determined what is proper giving. 
And when we write that date on that check, it's a reminder. We're going to do this God's way, not my way. The second line I want us to note is the payee line. Who are paying? The pay to the order of line. If you remember the Franklin Church of Christ, your line there probably reads, Franklin Church of Christ. As we consider what this says to us, I, I want us to recognize what is indicated by this. As we gather here and as we pool our resources, we're giving to the collective, the church, the, the group that have decided to come together for a common work, for a common purpose, under common oversight, using a common treasury. And we are contributing to that pool of resources. There are a couple of things that we're reminded of when we consider this line. First of all, we recognize that while God has work for Christians to do in this world, He has not left us alone to do it. Rather, He has organized the congregation so that we together can pool and bring together our resources that we may accomplish His work working together. The second thing we recognize from that is that we are contributing to the collective and the collective therefore depends upon us. Have you thought about that? Now, I certainly cannot tell you that if you're off traveling and you take your normal contribution and you give it to another congregation that you're sinning and you're going to hell, that's not the case. I, I, I couldn't support that scripturally, even if I tried. However, I just want you to think about what this means. We have gathered together in this collective, agreeing to work together to accomplish the Lord's work. And based upon that, our leaders have established plans and they expect certain things from us and they're depending upon us to continue with what we have committed. And therefore, when we're not here, and that support that we have committed to give is not there, that limits the congregation and the plans and the work that it's trying to accomplish. And that's so with so many different aspects of our service and what we do. But today we're just talking about giving. And that's certainly the case with giving. And so allow me to encourage you. If you're traveling, you've certainly got to gather with the saints and worship God. But this collection that God has commanded is a part of your commitment to the local congregation. And I encourage you to stick with that. With the local congregation and a part of that work to which you have committed. But there's also another aspect as we consider this line. And that is that we need to keep in mind who this is really all about. We are giving to the church, contributing in this pool of resource that the Franklin Church, or if you're a member of another congregation, whatever that congregation is, what it's going to do in its work. But we need to remember that this is about Christ. This is about serving Him. This is about accomplishing His work. This reminds us what these resources are supposed to be used for. They're not supposed to be used for all manner of things. And any idea that we can possibly come up with that might sound like a good work, this is about accomplishing Christ's work as outlined in the Scripture. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get down to the memo line here in a few minutes. This is about... Christ's work. When we write this on our check to the Franklin Church of Christ, 
This is a reminder of from whom our blessings come. As we remember that what I am giving has come from God. It is God's. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And verse 17 says, Every good thing given, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Everything we have has come from God. And we're giving back a portion of it. Devoting a portion of it to be used to accomplish His work with the local congregation. As we consider that and recognize Christ's involvement, God's involvement in what's going on here and in our lives and in what we have and what we're giving back, we are reminded that we are stewards. In a very real sense, you and I do not own anything. The home in which you live, it's not yours. The car that you drive, it's not yours. The food that you eat was not yours. It was God's. All of these things belong to God and we are merely stewards. And because we are stewards, because we are stewards, we have to use what He has given us as good stewards. We have to manage it as good stewards. I am often amazed at how many people will take a look at their personal finances and act like they can do absolutely anything they want to with their funds. But the church starts deciding to do something and they're all up in arms about what we're going to do with the Lord's money. That check that you receive on payday, guess whose money that is? That is the Lord's money that He is allowing you to use as a steward of the resources He is providing you. And when we write this down, we need to remember that. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? We've got to be faithful in the use of this unrighteous wealth, this money, man, and whatever your translation says there. And our giving is just a portion of that. But here's the thing that we've got to remember. So often, we consider all our stuff as ours, and then we're going to give a portion of it to God for Him to use. Absolutely not. It's all God's. And we've got to use all of it to glorify Him. A portion of it is going to be devoted for His church to accomplish its work. But everything we do with our funds has to glorify God. Then, of course, once it comes to Christ's church, a local congregation, yes, we do have to, as a congregation, remember, remember, this is about Christ. It's not about us. We are stewards of the blessings He's given the congregation. And we've got to use that wisely, managing it as His stewards, to accomplish the work that He has given us as a local congregation to accomplish. All of this, we've got to remember as we consider what we are giving here. 
And the third thing that this reminds us of about Jesus, as we're writing this down, it reminds us that we owe Christ for everything. He has given us so much in His death. And we owe Him. Not that as we give this money to His work that we're trying to pay Him off in weekly installments, we recognize we can't possibly accomplish that. But as we are sacrificing and giving to His work, we recognize that we are demonstrating that we owe it. And we're striving to grow in Him and to serve Him because of what He has done for us. As we move on, of course, we get to the bottom line. The important line, we all think. The amount line. How much are we supposed to give? Now, I'm sure you recognize, I only just filled that in with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 0. But if anybody wants to write a check for that amount, feel free to do so. I'm not counting on that today, though. But as we consider this line, this is probably the most misunderstood line because so many folks continue to go back to the Old Testament to strive to teach from the Old Testament about giving and what we're supposed to do. And so they talk about the tithe. They talk about 10%. And just so you know, that's, that's what tithe means. Tithe means 10%. You're not tithing if you're giving 5%. You're tithing when you give 10%. Under the Old Testament, we can look back to Numbers. Chapter 18. Numbers chapter 18, beginning at verse 21, and we see the tithe taught there. It says, To the sons of Levi, in Numbers chapter 18 and verse 21, To the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, which they perform, the service of the tent of meeting. Verse 24, Numbers 18, verse 24, For the tithe of the sons of Israel, which they offer as an offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore I have said concerning them, they shall have no inheritance among the sons of Israel. The Levites were not given land. They were not given something to farm and to produce so that they could live. They were supposed to devote themselves to the service of, of God in the temple and in His ministry. Therefore, God took the rest of Israel and said, Now I've given you all this inheritance. You take 10% and you give it to me, I'm going to use it to support the Levites and that tribe. It was basically a tax that the Israelites had to pay in order to support the priests and the Levites. But this was just a portion of the giving that they were supposed to do. We can look back in Leviticus chapter 23. In Leviticus chapter 23 as one example, beginning at verse 37. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 37, it's written there, These are the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations to the present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own, besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votives and free will offerings which you give to the Lord. This, these were not a part of the times. These were in addition to the tithes. They had the sacrifices, the burn offerings, the grain offerings, the drink offerings, the free will offerings, the votive offerings. All these things were above and beyond the tithe. And yet they had to give that. They were commanded to give these things. So we might ask ourselves, why then do so many go back and, and keep teaching this? 
when we don't find this in the New Covenant, but in the Old Covenant. We don't want to be Old Testament Jews. We want to be New Testament Christians. Why do they do that? I think some do it just out of a simple misunderstanding. However, I am convinced that others probably do it because they recognize that, you know, if we really could get people to give 10%, we would be rolling in money. Just allow me to illustrate. I just, and I've used the congregation here as an illustration. I just want you to consider if we had different income bases. According to the U.S. Census, the poverty threshold, I think, for 2003 was about 14000 for a family of three. If you made about $14,500, somewhere right around in there, in, if, with a family of three, you were at the poverty level. According to our directory, we have about 72 households within this congregation. I'm just going to round it down to 70 just to make it conservative and make the math a whole lot easier. But if all 70 households were at that poverty level income for a year, and all 70 households were to give 10%, we would still have $102,000, $102,760 in annual contribution in the congregation. According to the Social Security Administration and their September snapshot, based on benefits that would be given to a retired couple, where there was a retired worker and a spouse, their annual income would be something like $16,699. That is just Social Security income. That's not any other investing that might have been done to help them in their retirement. If all 70 households in our congregation were on Social Security income alone and gave 10%, we would still get $116,683 in annual contribution. However, according to the U.S. Census, of 2000, the annual, the median income for a household in Franklin, Tennessee, was 56000 and some odd dollars. That was 2000, by the way, four years ago, which means you know which way it goes. It's supposed to go up. Maybe not for all of us, but in general. But now let's, let's try to be a little more realistic. You know, there's about 12% of Americans that are at or below the poverty level. Let's just say as a congregation, we were at that same level. 12% of our families and households were below the poverty level and subjects of benevolence, so they're not giving anything. And so we'll just knock them off, and we'll go down to now about 62 households that are giving, but they're giving 10% of the average income in Franklin. Our annual contribution would be $349,872. Can you imagine now why folks in congregations like ours are trying to tell their families give 10%? You can see right now, for this year, we're on track to have about $168,584 in our contribution. Sometimes, I wish I could get up here and tell you, you have to give 10%. I don't know what your situation is, but I think I can say in general, most of us here are probably not giving 10%. But let's consider what the Scripture says. What should we be thinking about when we're writing on this line? Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, Paul said, On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. We're supposed to give as we have prospered. In the New Testament, God has not ever set a 10% figure. However, I think we recognize from this that God does deal with percentages. 
He expects those who have been given more to give more in devotion to His work. And those who have been given less will give less. He expects us to give as we have prospered. If a household within the congregation is making $16,000 a year and and, and another household making $100,000, they're giving the same, something is out of order. He works on as we have prospered. But I also want you to notice this. It's not as we have left over. One of the reasons why too many Christians don't give all that much is they get their check, then they make their house payment, then they make their car payment, then they buy all their food, then they decide what they're going to invest if they decide that. And then finally, when it's all left over, they say, okay, now under the old law, they gave 10%. I guess that means we give 10% of this $20 we have left over. It's not based on what we have left over, but based on having been prospered. That's what our giving should be based on. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this time in verse 7. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. If I were going to do a lesson on the Lord's Supper, you know what I would do. We've done it in the past. We're going to preach on the Lord's Supper. We're going to talk about it. We might even sing some songs about it. And then we're going to wait, though, until after the sermon to take the Lord's Supper, right? Somebody might ask, at least that's what I would normally do if I were teaching the lesson. Somebody might ask, well, why didn't you just put the giving at the end? You're going to do all this and you're going to pump us up to give and and we might give more if you did. I'll tell you why. Because scripturally, giving is supposed to be planned. It's not supposed to be spur of the moment. It's not supposed to be, I whip you into a frenzy and so you decide to dip into your wallet and give a little bit extra. It's supposed to be that we are devoted to God and we take a look at what He has blessed, with what He has blessed us and we purpose in our hearts to give to His work. It takes planning. Thirdly, look at verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. When God has taught us about our giving, He has said that our giving is supposed to be bountiful. I recognize that He didn't stipulate an amount, He didn't stipulate a percentage, but I do want you to notice that He stipulated it is to be bountiful. You can pinch pennies and you can skimp on your groceries, on your utilities, on your house payment, on your savings, but not on our giving. It's supposed to be bountiful. And I understand that we're left to our own judgment. What is bountiful to me may not be bountiful to you and vice versa. But it is supposed to be bountiful giving. I want you to look in Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12. beginning at verse 41. We have an example, an illustration of giving. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. I do not believe that this passage teaches us that we are to give our entire salary and everything we have over to the congregation because then, of course, we would become the subject of benevolence with which our contribution is trying to help. 
However, it does teach us that God expects us to give sacrificially. God expects us to give sacrificially. When we give, we ought to be able to say, this is costing us something. There's something we're not doing because we're giving. And if we can't say that, then we're not giving biblically. Finally, regarding this point, take a look again in 2 Corinthians, this time chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 7, Paul said as he was talking to the Corinthians, "...but just as you abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in the love..." We inspired in you. See that you abound in the grace in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What's he saying? He's saying you need to remember what Jesus has done for you, because this giving is an indication of your thanks to him. How you give in order to help accomplish His work, in order to help His children, is an indication of what you think about what He gave for you. And so as you're riding on this line, I can't mandate a percentage to you, but I want you to think about this. Under the Old Covenant, a system of sacrifices that could not really provide grace, they had a baseline giving of 10%. And I'll just leave it to you to think about where should we, who are under a better covenant, with a better mediator, having better promises, as we are striving to indicate our thankfulness to God, where do you think this line ought to be? As we continue on, we consider the memo line. If you write anything on this line, which most of us don't, but if we did, we'd probably put something on there like contribution. Or giving. But let's break it down just a little bit. The memo line is supposed to be the indicator of what this is being used for. Here's why we're writing this check. One of the things, of course, benevolence, relief work for the saints, those who are in need among God's people. We might write on here evangelism as the church is going to be involved in the work of getting that gospel spread out, getting the good news to people. Or edification, building up. Helping others. Do you realize what all this has in common? It's all about saving souls, isn't it? It's all about helping people become God's children and continue as God's children. It's all about getting folks to heaven. I know that we normally skip writing anything on this line, but that is one of the reasons that probably giving is not where it should be because for far too many of us, this line is empty. I'll tell you what I've found in most of the churches where I have preached on giving and most of the churches where I've worked, where I know anything about their giving, is that most of the people that are Christians are very generous people. You are among the most generous people in all the world. But we've got to know that our giving is for something. And when this line is empty, it's not for anything. If we had a building project going on and the elders got up here and said, Brethren, we're behind. We've got this need. We could take a collection and I guarantee you we'd get what we need. If we said that a hurricane hit Florida and Christians are in need down there, we would take up a collection and we would get help 
for the needy saints. Most of the problem is, though, that for us, this line is empty. And so we give because we know we're supposed to, but we don't want to give that much because we don't want to waste our money and give it to things that aren't doing anything with our money. But we need to have this line full. It's about saving souls. I just want you to think for a moment. That 10% figure versus where we were. What do you think we could do with an extra $180,000 a year? How many preachers in Russia or South Africa do you think we could support to teach the gospel there? We could hire another full-time worker here. We could get a preacher training program. We could have a radio program or a television program. We could be involved in all manner of things about saving souls. But of course, we work on this system of we want to make sure we're going to get the money in before we commit to it. And so we've got this kind of negative cycle going on. We're not committed to this work because the money's not coming in and the money's not coming in because we're not committed to the work. I just want you to think. In your mind, I'm not telling you you have to write anything on this line, but something has to be there in your mind. This is for something. It's for saving souls. And the final thing is the signature line. What this demonstrates is that this is about you and God. This is between you and God. This is a contract between you and God. Demonstrating your commitment and your devotion to Him. This is about you. It's not about me. It's not about the elders. It's not about your Bible class teachers. It's not about the person next to you. Nobody else sees this. It's just about you and what you're going to do to be devoted to God. But for the rest of this to work, your name has to be signed to the commitment line. You have to be devoted to God. You have to be devoted to worship. You have to be devoted to giving. God has done so much for us. And we can never pay Him off. But this is an aspect of our worship in which we need to be involved. This is honoring God. This is thanking God. This is sacrificing for God. So my question to you this morning, I'm not going to go back and take a look at the plate and see what all your checks say, but you know. Are you devoted to God in giving. I certainly hope our lesson on giving was helpful to you, strengthening you to devote yourself to giving. The next time you write a check for your contribution, think about what you have learned here. Allow me, on behalf of the Franklin Church of Christ, to thank you for joining us in this study, and allow me to invite you to go to our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com, and download as many lessons as you would like. We have the outlines as well as the audio for numerous lessons presented at the Franklin Church. Feel free to download them, to study them, and even share them with your friends. If you have any questions about giving, about worship, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359. Or you may contact us through our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you grow closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.